0: welcome to the city baptist church podcast where we are passionate about sharing jesus with vancouver and beyond we would love for you to be a part of one of our weekend services and of course you can find details on location and service times on our website at citybaptist.church today's podcast is from our current teaching series this is us where we are discovering our core identity and god's intention for every person in the local church the last four years here at City since the church started, uh, i can to be honest, they've been amazing. They've been fantastic. I've really enjoyed it. Uh, the Lord has really worked through it all. He's done a lot of great things for us. And uh, we really do have a lot to thank the Lord for. Wouldn't you agree? You can say amen to that. We have a lot to thank the Lord for today and what he has done. And, and the things that, uh, that I was thinking about is that, you know, through it all, um, God doesn't make mistakes, does he? God doesn't make mistakes. He didn't make a mistake in this church being started. He didn't make a mistake with you. And God loves to see his people coming together, bonding together, and being used for his glory. God did not make any mistakes with establishing the church to carry on his calling and to share the gospel with the world. But the thing that I was thinking about, okay, we're good? All right, good. The thing that I was thinking about um, throughout this and as I was was prepping for this is that even though Jesus left behind something incredible, and you got to think about the local church, the, the body of the church is such an incredible thing that God left. But even though it is incredible, even though it is perfect, right? Even though it is without mistake, uh, and even though um, the church has been given the proper focus and the proper function and the vision to complete the mission, the question that continually comes up to me is then why, uh, why is it that the church today, and I speak of the church, I think of local churches all around North America, why is it that the local church is in such decline right now? If God created something that is so perfect, if God created something that works, if God created something that he left behind and felt confident enough in what he had established to go back to heaven and leave for us, why is it that churches are declining? Why is it that churches are, are failing? Honestly, I came across some research from, uh, they researched, uh, I think, 600 to 1,000 churches from uh, 2004 to 2010, and, and the research that they came up with, honestly, was a little shocking to me, and here's what they came up with. That 9 out of 10 churches, so 90% of churches today are either declining or they are growing at a pace slower than the community around them, which is essentially declining, right? 9 out of 10 churches today in North America, obviously a big part of the study was focused in the U.S., are declining or they're growing at a pace slower than their community. It was shocking to me that 100 to 200 churches close their doors every week, in North America, anywhere from six to ten—I that's a broad, a broad stroke—but anywhere from six to ten thousand churches close their doors every single year, and less than three thousand churches are planted or started every year. And so, what you see from that, and as you look at those stats and you read those things, is that we are uh, honestly losing ground in our own backyard. We're losing ground uh, here in North America when it comes to planting churches and seeing people saved and, and making a difference in our, in our community. And it's so easy when we get into this to start to blame people, isn't it? It's so easy to try to find a reason for that. You know, maybe it's, uh, it's simply that it's, uh, you know, we can blame generations of the past or we can blame the current generation or we can blame the generation to come. You know, and we can just blame everybody and say, well, this is the reason why things are declining. Or we can, uh, we can blame things like the godless politics in our nation, right? That's an easy target, isn't it? Well, man, uh, the politics, that's why everything is failing. And and, uh, we we can blame, of course, secular culture. And we can say, well, it's just the mindset, the culture today. They're just uh, anti-God, against him. And and so that's why we're seeing the decline in churches. Or, of course, we can blame churches, right? They're the easiest target, I think. We can blame the church. Well, it's because, you know, churches just don't, uh, they don't have the right focus or they're full of hypocrites. Guess what? They are, aren't they, right? (laughs) Okay, if you don't think the churches are full of hypocrites, You don't know much about yourself, but we all are. But, you know, maybe that's why everyone's hypocritical, or maybe it's the pastor's fault. You know, all across North America, pastors are failing tremendously and all of these things, and we we find these reasons, we find these things that we want to blame. But I I want you to get this this morning. If if outside forces and if the culture was the reason behind declining uh, and non-influential churches, the fact is we would have no churches then at all today. Because we know that's what society's desire is, is that God be completely removed, the word of God be out of, out of the cities and out of the neighborhoods. We know that. And if, and if it was all about out, outside forces, we'd have to say that there would not be any churches at all today, but we've got to remember something. And I've got, I'm going to skip those photos. We've got to remember something. The greatest periods of church growth, particularly in the first century, took place in adversarial times. You have to remember that. And so if we're going to look at outside forces and say, oh, it's a wicked place and it's the politics fault and it's all of these external reasons that the church is failing, we have to remember the best growth that we ever saw, the most explosive growth that the church has ever seen has been through some of the most difficult times where they were literally killing Christians, throwing them in to fight lions. Let's see how you do, (laughs) right? You know, and, 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 and I mean, adverse and just terrible situations, but that's when the gospel went forth. That's how it all happened. The book of Acts was uh, directly the Jerusalem church. When it was persecuted, that's when everybody went out. And the gospel spread like wildfire. So for us to blame outside sources, I don't believe that that is necessarily the, uh, uh, the reason. I really believe instead of looking at external sources, we need to look internally. My uh, pastor, when I was in college, he always said this. He said, if there's a fruit problem, there's a root problem. And it's true of the churches today. I think for us to sit back and to blame all of these external things, we have to, look, uh, we have to say to ourselves, listen, if there's a fruit problem within the church today, then there's got to be a root problem. There's something internal. There's something down deep. There's uh, something that is, is, is not quite right. So the question for us during this series, and today's really an introduction uh, message to the whole thing, is that how can we at City Baptist Uh, combat the trend now I'll tell you this as a church uh, a new church plant in Canada uh, we're doing pretty good just to be honest we're growing we're seeing things happen we're seeing people saved and that's a blessing Uh, like I told you guys when I go to these meetings and meet with other pastors everybody's just shaking their head and I'm just like yeah things are going all right and that's a blessing I don't know if we're the one out of ten but we don't want to become prideful okay so let's not (laughs) not do that Um, but as a whole how do we how do we resist about that or how do we resist against that coming into our church and we're still young, four years old, right we're a young church. How do we resist that? How do we uh, ourselves um, fight against this trend that we 're seeing here uh, in the days today? How do we shine as an example to other churches? To me that's really a big thing that we as a church can do is that we can be an example to other churches of what God is doing and, and having the right focus and all of those kind of things. So how, how do we do this here, here's what it is. It all comes down to a matter of perspective for me. It all comes down to a matter of perspective, and that's what we 're going to be talking about over the next several weeks is approaching our position and our calling and our membership in the local church from a biblical standpoint. And actually having, and the focus there is biblical, okay? Having the biblical focus, the right focus, not just focusing on what the Bible says we should do, but how we should do it. How we should go about living as the local church today. Looking at the heart behind it. We're going to try to develop a proper perspective of what it looks like to be a part of the local church. Now, for some of you say, I've heard all of this before. Listen, we're gonna take this uh, in a a, a unique way, a little bit of a different focus. So I hope that you'll stay with me and not just shut me off and say like, great, for five weeks, I don't have to listen at all. No, no, you gotta listen, okay? Because this is so, to me, this is so foundational. It is so important for us as a church Uh, To really lock this in and to bake it into our culture. You understand that? Like make it a part of who we are that when we uh, come to church on Sunday, when we involve ourselves in what the church is doing, we have a unified mindset of what we're trying to accomplish. Let me illustrate it to you this way. Um, For me, one of the most eye-opening moments in my life happened when I was uh, in uh, grade 5 Or grade six. I don't remember. So you guys know how it is, right? I think I was around this time. And one of the most defining moments happened for me when I was that age. You say, well, what kind of defining moments happen when you're in grade five or grade six? Well, it it was interesting for me and it was defining for me because it was my first time to get involved in the culture of West Vancouver. Now, you guys know I'm an East Van guy, right? East Van born and East Van bred, right? Thank you very much. And a lot of you are as well. You know, I was East Van born, East Van bred, and when I die, it'll be at the hands of an East Side person, probably. So, no, <laughs> I'm just joking. Uh, but when I die, I'll be Eastside dead. And that's okay, right? It's not, it's just, it's just, I'm, I'm thankful uh, for that identification, I guess, and it was God preparing me to plant a church here. And, uh, and, but for me, though, I grew up in East Van, and I went to a private school uh, in Richmond, and uh, several of my best friends in school lived on the West Side. And uh, they didn't know, of course, that I was in that private school because there was some like deal for pastors, you know. And so we were able to go and, and, and their parents paid full tuition. But I remember for the first time I got invited to go spend time with my friend Waylon Chang over on the west side. And uh, uh, he's a great guy. He's a doctor now, of course, you know, and uh, super smart kid. He's a friend of mine and he invited me to come hang out with him one afternoon and uh, go to his hockey game. And, uh, so my parents gave me permission, you know, and, and, uh, I forget why I went home first, I think to grab some clothes or whatever, but then his dad came and picked me up in his Lexus. Now, again, you guys, some of you know, my parents, you know, like to me, this is the first time I think riding in a car with leather seats, no joke. And I was like, oh, man, like, this is great, you know? Uh, and his dad picked me up, and he, like, handed me a snack, like, in the car. Like, my parents were like, be quiet. We're going home, you know, and you have a piece of bread. And, uh, and he <laughs> handed me a snack, and I'm sitting there with Waylon, and we're going, you know, over the west side. And I'd never been over there before. They lived in this just amazing house. And we go over there. It's, like, way, like, I don't even know anymore where it is. It's a super nice, really nice neighborhood, heritage house, huge mansion, you know. And we go in there. And we go in there, and his housekeeper made us a snack. <laughs> okay, so again, I'm just like, are you kidding me? She made us hot chocolate from scratch. She, like, melted it in the saucepan, like an actual bar of chocolate down and added milk, slowly whipping it, you know? And I was just like, are you kidding me? He's like, oh, yeah, no problem. She'll make us. She made us this, like, snack with, oh, it was so great in this hot chocolate, you know? We watched The Lion King. I mean, it was, it was amazing. <laughs> uh, it was such a great time. And, and I was just like, I'd never experienced anything like this before in my life. I was like, this is, this is incredible. And, uh, and so then it was time for his hockey game. So we went to his hockey game. And uh, we went to his, his home rink. So this is where his home hockey team is. And it was at this place called the Arbutus Club. Has anybody ever heard of the Arbutus Club before? Okay, so the Arbutus Club in West Vancouver. Now, I, nev- I didn't even know these kind of places existed, to be honest with you. And this is his, like, where he plays hockey. And so we go into the Arbutus Club, you know, and, uh, and for me who grew up ice skating at Trout Lake, the old one, you know, and, and ice skating at all these different places, to me it was like a whole nother world, you know, like carpeted locker rooms, like where his hockey team got ready. I mean, he's a kid's team, you know, and uh, he had like all this stuff was laid out for him, and, and his mom was there, and his sister, and, and they're like, oh, we'll go watch the game. I said, okay, we're gonna go sit in these freezing bleachers. I'm used to, you know, here in East Van being in Britannia Rink or something like that, and, uh, and they're like, oh, no, and they had a heated like glassed-in viewing area for the parents to watch the hockey game and while we sat there they brought us food I mean this is okay this is amazing I'm like 10 okay so imagine viewing this from the eyes of a 10 year old and I'm just like this is the life you know (laughs) And they skate out there, and we watched the game, and they brought us food, and, uh, and and the whole time, people were coming, like, waiting on us while we're watching a kid's hockey game. This is ridiculous, you know? And they're, like, cleaning the tape, You need anything else? And they knew his parents' names, you know, and all of this kind of stuff, and and uh, 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 they cleaned up for us, and they did all of this stuff, and I, I got to walk around the Arbutus Club, you know, I had a swimming pool, I had tennis courts, I had a gym, uh, now they have, like, two ice rinks, a restaurant, there's meeting rooms, I mean, pretty much anything. You could possibly need. You can get at the Arbutus Club, and uh, and 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 if you needed anything at all, someone would do it for you. They would figure it out. Like, oh yes, no problem. And I kind of liked it because since I was in the room, they thought I was you know part of the. So I would ask for stuff. I'd be like, hey, and anyway, they do it for me. It's great. <laughs> His parents said, ask for whatever you want. So I said, okay, and uh, and so I did all this. But but the thing that I was learning, and, and I didn't realize it obviously until later on. But the thing that I was learning. Uh, is that I learned a lesson I never really knew before in my life. And what I learned is that when you're part of an athletic club like that, you're part of a recreational club or a social club like that, when you're part of something like that, it means perks. <laughs> it, means, uh, it means that others would serve you. It meant that all you had to do was be a member of it. All you had to do was pay the fees and someone else would do everything for you. All you had to do was enjoy the benefits from it. You had access to any services that you wanted. Now, I looked it up this week because I thought, well, I wonder how do I become a member of the Arbutus Club? As I was remembering this today, there's a, a, a one-time $65,000 fee um, just to put your name on a waiting list. That's what it says. If the financials go through, we'll place you on a waiting list. And uh, I don't know what the monthly cost is. I have no idea. I'm assuming it's more than my salary. So uh, it's probably very high, but uh, they, 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 they have this and it's still very, very expensive. And I, but as I was there that day and, and as I thought about it, the, the thing for me, I thought it was the most amazing thing in the world. I, I'm not joking. I'm just giving you a little insight into the 10-year-old me, but I would lay in bed at night thinking about what if I could be a member of the Arbutus Club. I'm, I'm dead serious. How can I convince my parents? to join the Arbutus, of course, I had no idea how much it cost at the time, seriously, and I would talk about it, my parents like, you know, I wanted to play hockey desperately, you know, and they couldn't afford to put me in hockey at whatever my local rink was, you know, at Killarney there, but uh, uh, they most definitely couldn't afford to put me in hockey at the Arbutus club, and I thought, man, it would be so great. You know, I could go there. And, and I went to, later on, I went to, like, his birthday parties there. And there's actually several kids in, in my school who had memberships there. And so I went to several birthday parties there and all of this kind of stuff. And, and I, would, I literally would lay there in bed, like, think about, like, oh, man, I play hockey. And it would be so great. And after the game, I hang out with my friends and eat dinner there. And, you know, I just, it, I created this amazing, you ever do that when you are a kid, you know? Maybe you do it today, you know? If I just had this thing, then my life would be perfect. And I, I created this whole idea I was totally hooked on the idea. Now, I share that with you just to kind of help us with a little bit of perspective. Because honestly, uh, and tragically, I think, this is a a viewpoint that a lot of people have of the local church as well. And, And let me put it this way. They, sometimes people understand their role in the local church in this way, that the local church is sort of a social or a recreational club, you know, that we kind of pay some dues to, and then as a result we get all of these perks, we get all of these benefits, we get all of these uh, 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 this certain level of service that we expect then. And I got to tell you this morning, that's a very low understanding. It's a very wrong perspective of what the Bible actually teaches us of what the local church body is to look like. The, The fact is, is that many churches today are simply more than social clubs, where people put into it And then they demand an expectation of service. They demand a certain level of things to be done that suit what they want, that suits what they feel should happen. And if things don't work out or go the way they think, they pull their their dues and then they leave and they go somewhere else. I believe that's honestly one of the real reasons that churches are declining today is that we have a twisted view of what the local church is. Now, are there benefits? Of course, and we'll talk about those in our series But what I'm trying to do now is help us to kind of get a a, a correct mindset of how we should look at the local church. So how do we uh, resist giving into an Arbutus Club mentality? (laughs) How do we resist uh, feeling like the local church? And, of course, you're saying, well, there's no ice skating here. And I get that. And there's definitely no high-end perks of being a part of the church. But how do we avoid falling into the trap of discontentment and entitlement that can so quickly change the heart of a local church? How do we do it? Well, I think it's just by reading what the Bible has to say about the local church, okay, and seeing exactly what it says, and that's what we're going to do. And so today, I want to start with point number one: How do we fight against it? How do we resist against it? Sort of as a a beginning aspect of this series, we have to recognize that we are all. Oh, there's a picture of our buttes club. Isn't that nice? Sorry, I meant to show you that. Well, it's beautiful, isn't it? That's the entrance. All right, Uh, that's in Vancouver, seven acres in the middle of West Van. It's so nice. I I, yeah, maybe we could take an offering for a membership, right? Um, And we can just sort of pass it around. (laughs) I'm sure they have photo ID. All right. Uh, (laughs) Number one, we are all a necessary part. Write that down there in your notes. We are all a necessary part. I had you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, um, which is where we'll be today, just in 1 Corinthians 12 through, actually through chapter number 14. Now, there's a, there's a lot of different passages in scripture that gives us a clear idea of what it looks like to be a functioning local church, but one of the best examples is found in these three chapters of 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12-14. through 14. In chapter 12, the Apostle Paul gives to us the metaphor of, of the local body, or he uses the human body as a metaphor for the local church. In chapter number 13, what he does is he establishes for us that love is to be the central attitude of the local church, especially between those who are a part of it, and then as well, In chapter 14, what he does is he deals with the messed up Corinthian church. By the way, the Corinthian church was a messed up church. They had some serious issues, uh, and, and one day we'll do a study of Corinthians, and you'll get to learn about all those things, but they were really messed up, and so what Paul does is he says, hey, the, the local church is like a body in chapter 12. and chapter 13, he says love is to rule all. Love is to be the connection point with everyone, and then he says, here's a bad example. <laughs> here's a bad example. Don't follow. Don't act in this way, and from those, we can build sort of a complete view or a model of what what the local church is but the bible for us explains that the church family church members people who are a part of the local church uh is different in the way that he articulates it than maybe our world looks at it in first corinthians chapter 12 verse 27 through 28 this is sort of a key phrase here but it says now ye ye means me okay so you now ye are the body of Christ. Now, of course, we know in Colossians chapter 1, verse 24, uh, it says, uh, and fill up that which is behind the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. So what he's talking here is he's connecting the idea of the body of Christ being the local church, okay? The body of Christ. We are uh, the body of Christ. If you're saved, then you are part of the body of Christ. So he says, now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular, So you are a part of the body of Christ. And then what he says in verse 28 to start it off, he says, and God hath set some in the church. So there's a process that we're seeing here. He says, if you're saved, you are a part of the body of Christ. You should be a part of a local uh, congregation. You should be part of it. And he says, and then because you are there, it's because God has placed you there for a particular reason. There's a specific reason for you to be there. There There's something that you are to accomplish that you are to be. To me, the way I see it is that as a church, we are the whole, we are the body of Christ, but then individually, we are all essential parts of it. We are essential aspects of the local church. We are not just a body. We are not just City Baptist Church, but we are known by our individual parts, by the people who make up who we are as a church. It's so important for us uh, to remember that it's not just a thing. Sometimes, Sometimes we just say, oh yeah, I go to this church, and it's sort of this, just this, but listen, there's so much more than just the church. We are all essential aspects of it. We are all people, a part of it. You know, it's interesting, the older I get, the more I recognize my body parts, That's kind of a weird thing to say. (laughs) Some of you are like, wait a minute. Uh, But you know, when you are a kid, you don't think about stuff, right? You don't think about stuff. You just just live life, right? You just go, you just do your thing. But now that I'm older, I'm always trying to pinpoint what the problem is, right? Like, I I remember I slipped, I had a, I had a sciatic nerve issue a couple years ago, and it's my own fault, I was roller skating and I jumped in the air, which is a <laughs> dumb thing, but uh, that's another story for another day. And um, I was trying to touch something, but <laughs> I was showing off for my wife. Anyway, uh, anyway, I twisted, and you know I had a disc that slipped out and pinched my static nerve and like for a year I had a problem you know and I remember like trying to identify like huh like oh I can feel my disc now you know and I never thought about my discs before you know I wake up and my arm's numb I'm like well, what happened you know I'm having a heart attack and I wake her up and she calls the ambulance and no that hasn't happened yet uh (laughs) but you know what I'm saying right we're always trying to pinpoint things right like oh like why like oh oh, my meniscus, like, you know, you never thought of your meniscus before. You, you never thought of your gallbladder. You never thought of these things. But the older you get, the more you recognize the parts, the different aspects that work together because you notice when they're not working together, right? You notice when there's something wrong, when you got pain or, or whatever it is. And, and, and I guess what I'm trying to say is that uh, as, a, as, as a church, we are a church, but we need to recognize there's a lot of different working parts to it. There's a lot of connectivity there, Paul continued it in 1 Corinthians 12 12. He said, For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many, many are one body, he says, so also is Christ. You know, as a saved believer, someone who is committed to the Lord Jesus Christ and someone who's committed to the local church, we have to recognize that you are a necessary and an essential part of the local church. You're very important. There are no second-class family members when it comes to the church of Jesus Christ. Do you realize that? There's no, uh, there's no scale or, 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 you know, you're less important or whatever it may be. We all play different roles, of course, but we have the same level of importance when it comes to the, uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I want to encourage you this morning. First of all, don't ever think of yourself as non-essential in the local church. It's a wrong view of yourself and it's a wrong view, I believe, of scripture to say like, oh, I don't really matter to the local church. You matter to the local church. So the first thing you got to remember if we're going to combat this idea is that you or we are all necessary parts. The second thing we need to recognize is that we are different, but we still work together. Isn't that great? (laughs) We are different, but we still work together. The local church is not a place where only people from similar backgrounds and similar ideas hang out together, is it? I mean, look how diverse our church is. Look around. That's a great thing, isn't it? Not just diverse in culture, but how diverse are we in background? I won't ask some of you to stand and tell me where you came from or this life that you lived before you knew Christ because we don't have all day, but it's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing. We have some who've come from such difficult and sorrowful situations. Others who, like myself, grew up in a pastor's home Others who grew up in church and others who went through family split ups and uh, lived uh, as atheists for most of their life and came to know Christ and all of these things. But yet here we are together, one in Jesus Christ. And that is such an amazing thing. We are different. And while we are different, that's great. But we still work together. See, in our Buddhist Club membership, you pay others to do the work for you. But in a church, everyone has a role and everyone has a function to play. Turn over to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number uh, 14 through 18. Turn over there with me. I also put it in your notes if you want to follow along there. This is probably one of my favorite passages in scripture just because of the funny mental picture that it develops for me. But I, I love it because he says here, for the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, and again, I imagine these body parts wearing hats you know, and sunglasses and talking to each other, okay? If the foot shall say, uh, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? Says if the foot says, ah, I'm not, you know, I'm not the hand, therefore I'm not, no, of course not. And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, uh, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole uh, were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. See, when it comes to being a part of the local church, we have to realize that, yes, we are all different. Here he uses the metaphor of hands, feet, ears, eyes, but we are all important. We are all a part of the body. Each part has to do its work or the whole body will suffer. It's true in life and it's true within the church. You ever have something that just irritated you? I got a splinter the other day. Guess what I thought about for a lot of the day? Get this splinter out of me. Such a small thing, right? You're like, the rest of your body's functioning fine. Some of you who have, uh, deal with maybe some chronic pain or chronic issues, you understand how one part of you that uh, is not functioning properly, how it just affects everything. And the, the, while we understand that in life and while we say, you know, man, Cindy, how long have you been wearing that thing on your foot for? You know, like when she broke her foot or her toe, you didn't even break your foot, you broke your toe, right? I mean, that's affected you for like, how long now? Two months. And she's still wearing those. I have an idea for her to have a whole line of custom foot uh, braces that she could, you know, market and everything. I think it'd be great. But, uh, you know, you, you've been through that and it's affected everything about it. It affected her work. It affected all sorts of things. And, and the, the point is, is that when, when the body is not functioning, when something is out of uh, sync, uh, uh, it, it is a noticeable thing. See, the church is something that God has set up that in some ways it is complex, but in other ways it's just very simple to understand, and that is it's made up of multiple parts, and everybody has a role to play. Everybody has something that they can do. When a part of the church is not functioning properly, we feel it. When uh, certain things are not uh, focused properly or not participating in the right way or there's a, a maybe a heart or an attitude that's out of sync, then it's a difficult thing. And on the other side as well, when people are walking with the Lord and we're serving together and we have the right spirit and we're headed in the, in the same direction together, man, we rejoice and we notice it and we see it. First Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 26 uh, articulates it. He says here, and whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it if one is suffering all the members suffer with it or one member be honored all the members rejoice with it the thing is is that you matter to God and you matter and you make a difference in the church sometimes people will say to me like ah it's not that important you know like I'm they'll say it in this way like I'm not that important to the church liar (laughs) don't lie to your pastor like that that's not true it's not true. I, I, and, and I try to say it in a kinder way, of course. You guys understand that, right? But, but listen, you are important. Everyone is important. Every single person makes a difference. Some of they'll say, oh, you know, I don't really make a difference to this church. Or, or maybe in your mind, you've thought this. You know, if I don't show up, it's not really gonna make that big of a deal. No one's gonna notice, right? There's other people there. Or, or if I don't go, or I don't participate in this event, or I don't participate in this activity, or if I don't uh, help out maybe in some sort of outreach thing, like it's not really that big of a deal, it's going to get done anyway, I don't really make a difference. Listen, it makes a difference. It makes a difference. We are to participate, we are to be involved, and it also helps encourage other people when we involve ourselves in what the church is doing, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, you ever been to a birthday party and no one showed up? <laughs> right? lame, right? Okay. Uh, uh, It's, I mean, man, it's difficult, right? And so, but sometimes we feel like, ah, you know, we would never do that to a friend who's having a party or something. You know, we wouldn't show up, but sometimes when it comes to church things, we don't, and, and ah, it's not that big of a deal. Listen, it makes a difference. It makes a difference. It speaks to the unity. It speaks to the connection of what uh, God is trying to do here because we are a family, We are a body together, we are different, and we are wonderfully diverse, but we are all still to participate, we're all still to be involved in some way. Not because we have to, okay? But because of the motivation that we find in scripture behind the relationship. Now I understand, up until this point, you could listen to this message and be like, whoa, he's upset about something. I'm not upset about anything, okay? I'm not upset about anything, because here's what I want you to understand. God says, okay, this is how the local church should be, But here's the great thing about it. He doesn't just say, and that's the end of the story. He says, this is how the local church should be. And then he shows us why it should be that way. And this is where we get point number three. It's because our actions are based on a biblical foundation of love. Our actions are based on a biblical foundation of love. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, uh, sometimes people call it the love chapter. They do. I, they sometimes they even say it like that, which is kind of uncomfortable. But they do. They say they call it the love chapter. And it's because of what it entails, what it, what it contains, of course, and uh, sometimes it's read at weddings, it's read at marriage, uh, vow renewals, it is, uh, uh, I've used it in marriage counseling. Uh, it's preached, of course, to give us a complete view of agape or sacrificial love. Um, it's a passage that we go to time and time again, and while there's, of course, nothing wrong at looking at the chapter in this way, you got to understand, in its original meaning and its original context, it is to demonstrate to us how church members are to relate to one another another. That's his original context. It's all about the local church here. So look at verse uh, number uh, four through seven here in 1 uh, Corinthians. Now he says, charity, and that's a word that means agape, so sacrificial, giving love. So charity, love suffereth long and is kind. How many of you have heard this before? Yeah, okay, good. All right. <laughs> charity envieth not. Notice, notice how he says Charity, love, agape, sacrificial, and then it gives us a description. And then it says, charity wanteth not itself is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly. Stop thinking about your marriage, okay? Seriously. Oh, that, is that too? Sorry, okay. Man, help me out here, church. <laughs> I just know some of you are reading it and thinking about your spouse right now. <laughs> Local church. <laughs> Local church. Okay, some of you are... Man, not sure what to do today. Okay. <laughs> Local church. If is not puffed up, all right, Number, uh, verse five, did not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. That is a great message in three words right there. Thinking evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, that's in sin, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Local church. Local church is what this is all about. This is the motivation behind our involvement in the local church. This is the motivation behind our service to the local church. It's love. It is the foundational principle. You know, I think maybe we'll read this before our next business meeting right? <laughs> Maybe I'll read this before our next, uh, you know, when we have meetings together, talk about church business. This would be a great thing, right? Let's remember where we're at. Thankfully, our business meetings are great. I'm just being, that's called being a pastor's kid. <laughs> um, but that's really what it is about. To me, if you look at the principles just in verse four and five there, envieth not, kind, suffereth, is not puffed up, uh, is not seeking their own, is not easily provoked, thinking no evil, that right there is enough for a revival in any church, In any church family, that's enough right there for a revival right there. Understanding how and what our basis is to be, what the foundation is. We are to love each other, not just because we're lovable, but because that's what God asks of us. We're to love one another in the church and serve one another in the church and pray for one another and encourage everybody, not just because we like them, but because they are a part of the body. They're a part of who we are. They are, uh, uh, it is a command to us to love them in that way. We're to pray and we're to encourage the leadership. We're to, we're to love in that way to the leadership of the church when, when they do things that you like and when they do things that you don't like. You're still to encourage and still to pray. Do you understand what I'm trying to say here? Sometimes it's like with the country club mentality is like if, if something's not working out, we're upset about it, Right? And we're like, oh, you know, and we, and we whatever, we, we, we say something or we're, no, this is not about not having a voice. But what I'm saying is that it, even when there's decisions that are made or things happen, we're still to love and encourage one another, right? We're still to be loving to one another in all situations because it's not about us, is it? It's about the church as a whole. It's about all of us working together from a position of love rather than obligation. This is the heart behind the service. Now, have you ever received a birthday present from obligation before? Now, last night, um, last night we had the opportunity to go to dinner with some friends, and we were celebrating three people's birthday in our group of friends. So we went out to dinner together, and, uh, and we were giving presents. And it was amazing to me, um, the guys, you can, you could tell when a guy picked a present versus when a woman picked a present. Now, listen, God created us equal, but we're different, okay? And that's all right. For the guys, it was like, a yeah, gift card, you know? <laughs> right. One card, like, cash just fell out. It was like, thank you, you know? For the ladies, for the ladies there was, like, some thoughtfulness, you know? Like, oh, I knew you like this thing, or I knew you would enjoy this, or, you know? And there was thoughtfulness behind the present. And to me, I was sitting there, and I was thinking of this <laughs> point, and I was like, this totally makes sense to me. Obligation versus love, right? Now, I love. Okay, I did give one gift card, I will say that, all right? So, uh, <laughs> now, I, 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 love, I, I love the person I gave the gift to, but I, I was busy, you know, and, and so, and I had to give him a, you got to give him a present, right? So, all right, amazon.ca, and boom, check your email. That's what I wrote in the card, check your email, and there it was. <laughs> um and, uh, but then others came with packages and, and it was wrapped and it looked so nice and all that kind of stuff. And, and that's to me the big difference of obligation and love sometimes. Now, now to serve uh, someone or to give to someone out of an obligation, eventually it becomes noticed. There's a great difference between obligation and love. And, and a lot of people today serve in the local church out of obligation. Uh, God says I should serve, so I'm gonna be here. <laughs> right? And, and while, while you may fool somebody for a while, eventually it begins to wear on you. Because loving and serving out of obligation is hard, isn't it? Guess what? We go to our jobs a lot of times out of obligation, don't we? Right? Because there's bills coming. There's things we got to do. And guess what? Man, almost every time I talk to people about their job, it's like, ooh, you know, (laughs) it's work. You know what I mean? We all kind of, yeah, we understand. That's why they say find something you love and do that for the rest of your whatever, you know. And how many people do that? It's hard to do, isn't it? It's hard to make money you know, eating Rice Krispies. (laughs) It's one of the things I love or whatever it is, you know. (laughs) It's hard to do that. It's hard to do it. But there's a great difference between obligation and love, isn't there? And so Jesus here gives us, he says, listen, as a church, it should be about love. That's why we serve one another. That's why we work together as a church. That's the focus that we have because it's out of love. Out of a heart of love and not just obligation. Now, I realize for some Uh, today, it maybe sounds very simplistic, and you've probably heard a lot of these things before, but that's the point. We're building a a case over the next several weeks of our series, uh, building a case for what a biblical member, a biblical participant of a local church looks looks like, and the emphasis is biblical, and so if we're going to get biblical, we got to get to the baseline, and the baseline always rolls back to our motivations, doesn't it? It always comes back to our heart. It always comes back to the why for what we are doing. And, and while we are unified, of course, in our mission and our purpose and our ministries and activities and all of these things, I want to roll back just a minute and remind us again that we are made up of different points. Again, in the passage, I just want to bring this up here. Paul mentioned, he said that the foot, the hand, the ear, the nose, the nose is by implication because he talks about smelling. So he's, he's giving us these parts. And I just want to uh, just roll back here for a second. And the thing that I want you to see out of this passage is that each of these things Each of these parts here all have a function. And he specifically says that. The foot, of course, is to walk. The hand is to grasp and to hold. The ear is to hear. The eye is to see. The nose is to smell. And so in all of these things here, every single part has a function. What I want you to get is that a non-active church uh, member does not exist. He did not say that. And, you know, he did not say the nose and the the eye and the ear and the hand and the rock, you know, know, that sits there, you know. The hand is for, you know, the rock is for stubbing your. No, wait, no, that's not right. But, uh, oh, that's, oh, man, that could work. Hmm. There's no place for a non active person, is what I'm trying to get across. There's something, there is a function for every single one of us. That is why there is such a focus in the Word of God to know your giftedness, to know your abilities. To know uh, maybe where God has has taught you some things so that we can use them for his glory. To me, the fact that there is so much diversity within a church is its strength, but it's only our strength if we're functioning in the right way. And allowing maybe our past and the experiences that we've been through and the grace of God that we've experienced in our lives and allowing that to be used to serve and to help and to love other people. We are not a country club, we are a local church. We are not the Arbutus Club. we are a local church. I want to close this morning with just one thought here and something that you can take with you this week. But I want you to ask yourself the question, how can I best serve my church? How can I best serve my church? Now, here's the question that many people ask themselves. How should I serve or should I serve the church? Should I get involved in something? Should I volunteer in some way? Should I do this? That's not the question I want us to ask. The question I want us to ask is, how can I best serve my church? To me, that's a question to ask out loud. That's a question to pray about. It's a question to really seek the Lord and just say, Lord, how can I best serve? Lord, how have you equipped me? Lord, what gifts have you given to me? What abilities? Uh, uh, How could I uh, fit within um, what you're trying to do here at City Baptist Church? See, God's plan for the local church is to be the hub of the gospel movement. That's what he wants us to be. And by the way, it's a great plan. It's the one plan that he died and bled for. It's the plan that he left for us is the local church. And because God designed it, that means he designed City Baptist Church as it is right now. And God has a design for us for the future. And guess what? If you're here today, I believe you're to be a part of it. And God designed it that way. So don't blame me. All right, <laughs> you know, pastor, that's why I'm here. No, no, God brought you here. God led you to this place. Maybe you came and you got saved or maybe you've come from another, another place and you found a home here. Listen, God has built this thing. God has put it together and he wants all of us to be a part. Too often though, we mess with just an improper view of how things are to be. And so this morning, really, the only thing I want us to really focus on this morning is just to return to a biblical outlook to our involvement in the local church. Not as a recreational club, where we uh, just sort of give a little bit and things are served to us and we have all of these perks and expectations, but a place where all of us recognize we are necessary, we are different, but we're working together. And as well, recognizing the foundation of all things and that is the foundation is love. That's what it all comes down to. First Corinthians chapter 13 is the foundation for the local church. We hope today's message was a help to your relationship with God. To stay connected with us, you can like us on Facebook or give us a follow on Instagram at Van City Baptist. Our prayer is that God will continue to do a unique work as you pursue His will for your life.